Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? Amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's M Amazing Radio. I am your sore-throated host, Dr. Law. With me, as always, DJ Mark. So, Also, returning after a three-week absence, Mr. International himself, Mr. Worldwide. I know that hurt him deep. Lavender Gooms. I never want you to ever say that again because Pitbull sucks, but it is very happy to be back i'm very happy uh to have returned and um i know that uh the first week i was gone i heard some somebody on this podcast shitting on the days i had curated was it just one of us or both of us no it was it was mostly mark it was mark okay mark you know like come on now because i definitely would have put a lot of effort into these days man come on man you you don't make the days though mike it's not your fault that you got you know a week with bad days bad holidays but i'm gonna call it out when they're bad because that that i can't remember what that week was but it was particularly bad there was nothing to, to celebrate on those days well one thing i will tell you guys is that Apparently, the United States has days for everything, and I normally like to try to pick the irreverent days, you know? Like, uh, you know, if it's like chocolate eclair day, I feel that should be highlighted because who's ever talking about chocolate eclair day, all right? These days got to get their day in the sun. So I'm going to pick the more off the beaten path days to highlight. My question. I mean, I, I don't. It's not that I disagree with you that they are shitty days, but that's why I picked them. Mike, do you do the day we record, which is Monday, or do you do the day after, or do you just do whatever you can get on either day? It depends because if there are just truly boring and shitty days on the Monday, then I'll cheat and I'll go to the Tuesday. You know, because that's why every so often I'll say when you guys are hearing this, which is normally Tuesday for most of our listening audience, that normally means that the days on Monday just absolutely blue chunks. I mean, I'm looking at what I see for Monday and what's what I see for Tuesday. If we're looking at the same place you look, Monday might be better. But go ahead. What do we got? Now let me tell you something. And that is why I want to wish you, Mark, and you, Bobby, a happy National Bubble Wrap Day. All right. Me and Mike are on the same website. <laughs> We're on the same website. <laughs> um, I like that one. Um, there's Honestly, I thought you were going to say the other one because we can get a good How I Met Your Mother reference going, baby. <laughs> I'm not really sure which one you're referring I'm to. I'm talking about National National Puzzle Day. We should open I, a bar. I'm not... You know what we named the yeah, bar? No. no. What? Puzzles. Oh. And the people will ask, why is it called Puzzles? Why is it? That's the puzzle. Oh. You know, Although I will say happy National Puzzle Day because uh, my girlfriend actually loves doing puzzles and they're actually very nice and enjoyable to do. You know, you can get like so, yeah. like the torture puzzles, which are just like one color. It's all a giant picture. It's just one color. There's no you can't tell anything. You're just fitting the goddamn pieces together. <laughs> yeah, that sounds particularly horrible. Um, I'll send her a we've link. done some we've done some 500 piece puzzles of not like uh, just one color. And those aren't very fun to do those are 
really long. National Bubble Wrap Day, though, as a man who's now a cat owner, probably not the worst thing in the world, right? Cats like to get into the packaging and stuff, is my understanding, no? They do love getting into the packaging. I haven't really had any bubble wrap around dear old river. Um, but fuck the cat. I love bubble wrap. Come on, man. You get like those like small to like midsize, uh, you know, bubble wraps. And then you just take it and you just like twist it in your hand and you get like that pop, 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 pop effect. Oh, it's amazing. Hell yeah. Any other days you want to make reference to? Um, no, I think that's about it. Um, the rest of the days aren't too great. Fair enough. Um, all right. So there was no fights last weekend. Uh, there are some this weekend, but I mean, I don't need to tell you this is bad. The guy in the co-main events telling you it's bad. As he put it, Mark, nobody gives a shit about the apex. Um, <laughs> accurate. Yeah, in general, and this card is not an exception. So, Are they going a pay-per-view the same weekend as the UFC as the Super Bowl now? Is that what's happening after this week? Or is there nothing as next week is not a pay-per-view either? So. No, next week's uh Jack Hermanson and Joe Pfeiffer? This one's not bad actually. That's on the 10th, right? Is yeah, it's got some it's got some stuff. It's got Feely and Iggy, Armin Petrosian, Vieira, Brad Tavares. I mean, it's got stuff in the sense that I recognize names. Like there's that. Max, you know, Max Griffin. All right. It's not good. What are you going to do? Um, all right. So, yeah, there was no fights. One put on an event. Our guy, Sexyama, got finished in two minutes, Mark, mm-hmm. in the mixed Come rules about with uh, Nikki Holtzkin, which we were talking about it on Friday. We're like, seems like a bad idea if the kickboxing is going first. It was. Do you know the rule? what the rule actually was, too? Because I didn't really look it up until after the fight. No. The first two rounds were kickboxing. It's like they didn't want this guy to even have a chance to get out of it. You know, yeah, does like, Chatri hate Japanese last- people? What is that rule set? Mike, how yeah. you going to put Sexyama in a kickboxing match? <laughs> like for two rounds when he's older as hell, old as hell. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't make too much sense. Yeah, we didn't get to see the Sage Northcutt uh, Shinya Aoki match. Uh, Sh- Sh- Sage had some issues with his cornerman getting visas, and instead Shinya choked out. I think uh, John Lineker, who was way mm-hmm. too small to fight Shinya Aoki. Granted, Shinya Aoki probably too small to fight Sage, Sage Northcutt. So what are we doing anyway? Um, yeah, UFC though is going to be at the Apex this weekend. Um, I'm going to see if I can slip, uh, if I can offer Hanato Moicano 200 bucks to let me in the building. Me and uh, me and uh, Inferno, as we refer to Yuri Jr., who's been on this podcast before as a guest. It's my current plan, Mark. See if Moicano can let me in, maybe as his corner person or something. I don't know. Or just let me in the building. He might do it. He's trying to talk himself sure. out of a job. He's shitting on UFC he's, 300, too. He's all about money, so money will we'll talk. Yeah, so I think I 200 bucks gets us there. Enough. 200 bucks gets us there, I think. 200 bucks, all right? I'm 200 greenbacks. Um, yeah, I think probably the biggest news we got out of this last week um, is probably the announcement and the new MMA fans' shitty reaction to what I think is actually a pretty big signing, Mark. Um, I'm not sure I enjoy the execution mm-hmm. of what we're, how we're playing this out. But Olympic gold medalist, and I think she got two of those, if I'm not mistaken. She might have two of those gold medals in Rio in 2016. And in London in 2012, Olympic judoka uh, Kayla Harrison um, is going to the UFC. And she's going to do it at 135 pounds, which is interesting uh, for a woman who Mm -hmm. won the Olympics at 78 kilos, which is 
172 pounds, I think, maybe. And most of her MMA career has been at 155 pound fights and some 145 pound fights. Going to fight Holly Holm at 135 pounds at UFC 300 mark. Uh, putting aside uh, these uh, people, these casuals who have decided they're MMA fans in the last four years, reaction to it. Um, I think it's a huge signing, man. I think this is the, in terms of the women's game, I'm not sure who else I could go out there and get. That would be a big deal short of like, I'm like, I don't know what, what they would do with like for someone like Stamp Fairtex, for example. I mean, they could go sign her, but I don't know the UFC mm. knows, knows what to do with her. You know, mm. I don't know. I don't know. I don't think they know how to do anything with anybody, but that's a different conversation. What do you think, man? This is a, she's 33 years old. Her contract was up, allegedly. I don't know. She's out of her PFL deal. Uh, what do you think? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's 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 interesting. Also, like slightly unfortunate because her last fight was was her last fight the loss or did she recover from that? I think she came back. Let me make sure. She did beat up Aspen Lad back in November. Okay, that's right. But did she ever rematch that? Well, she beat her two times before that person beat her. Before, and then she lost the third. Yeah, Yeah. she lost the third Um, against Larissa Pacheco in a... She lost 2-3 to 2. Really good fight, by the way. People want to go back and watch it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I mean, I think that's the thing that just takes a little bit of the shine off is that like before then, she was seen as the unbeatable monster, right? Like, no one was stopping her in the PFL. She was basically running through that season each year. She would just be like, you know, there's almost like, why even have a season? She's, she was so dominant. And, you know, she finally ran into someone that kind of was able to match her in, in a match and actually get a W over her. Um, and now she's kind of jumping ship. And, and it was also a little bit unfortunate because they just got Bellator. It seemed like her and Cyborg would also be an interesting matchup. And again, someone in that that weight class that could kind of maybe challenge her. Because I think that's been the biggest hurdle is that, you know, she's fighting at, at 55 or at sometimes at 45. And like you saw in the UFC, those aren't really talent-rich divisions with just a lot of people in them. It's not saying, like, you know, the athletes there aren't good. It's just we haven't got a lot of exposure. There hasn't been a ton of high-profile women athletes in those divisions to kind of test her. So it was kind of interesting to see things to start formulating potentially around her in the PFL with some of the signings they had. And then it's at that point that she goes to the UFC and then is fighting at 135, which, you know, I think everybody is a little concerned and a little, you know, cautious about getting super excited if she's going to be able to make that weight or not. Um, Because it is a big jump down. Um, I don't think she's ever fought at 135. Um, She has fought at 145, right? So it is only 10 pounds less. But it does seem like a big stretch now. You know, yeah, and only, that, only at those weight classes, only at t- when you're that low, when you're talking about 10 pounds, you've said it yourself, man. That's a lot of an ask. 10 what, pounds. What I don't what I don't understand is that Cyborg was never able to make 135. And from what I've seen, Kayla is taller and larger than Cyborg. How she, the she's hell a, is she? She's yeah. I don't know what the. I mean, she said herself How a few years ago. How is she gonna make it to one thirty five? And there's like no fat on her at one forty five. She's. I, I. Here's the thing. Holly Holmes not gonna take that fight when she misses weight by five pounds. Holly Holmes pretty much said as much. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know why we aren't just doing her at one forty five. I you may you had a fake weight class for four years. I think it was. I'm guessing. I don't even know anymore, guys. Let's say four years for the sake of my math. But I'll check. Um, like. I think, I mean, considering the sheer lack of human beings anybody cares about at 135 pounds in the UFC, I think if anything, the goal would be to tempt Amanda to come back to fight her, right? I'm imagining that's the goal, right, Mike? I think. Like, what else are we doing? 
Or they you, want her to power. Would, do you think so, she's, are we're going to have her as a 135-pound champion depleting herself horribly every time, this girl or this woman? Well, I would venture to guess that it could be that if there actually had been any type of division at 145, they would have a fight at 145. But it could possibly be that maybe they've actually encountered that none of the women who fight at 135, considering there is no 145 division anymore, maybe they're like, no, fuck that. I'm not going to fight her at 145. Like, what's the point in, you know, allowing her to be able to fight at an optimum weight for her for a division that doesn't exist? It I could be maybe they actually encountered pushback when it comes to that, and they had no choice but to have the fight at 135 or not at all. I just think these people are just fucking, there's no plan. And it's a little bit of a desperation move in that regard. I really think you call Jermaine Duran to me up and say, you want to fight Kayla Harrison for the vacant 145-pound title? At UFC 300, she'll do it. I think there's plenty of these girls. You're going to put a main event. You're going to put, call a title fight on this, and you make it a title fight for 145 pounds, which existed for four and a half years. That title is how long Amanda held it for four and a half years. To be clear, um, the belt itself existed uh, for six years. Um, I don't know. There's people out there. What's Megan Anderson up to? You know, Holly Holm fought at 145 pounds. You could have made this a title fight. At 145 pounds. Who cares? I don't know, Mark. Back to you. What do you think? I mean, I'm excited for Kayla Harrison. I've, I've enjoyed watching Kayla Harrison fight. She f just beats everybody's ass. It's great. She's mean. It's wonderful. Yeah, mm -hmm. I mean, if she could make 35... I mean, I think that's the other way to look at it. Is that like, you know, 35 is a little star for new talent, and especially a, someone of a star, right? I mean, I think there was a lot of hubbub, you know, a couple weeks ago when it was... Um, God, I'm forgetting who just fought for the belt. Mayra and um, Raquel. Silva and Raquel. Like everyone was saying, like, oh, you know, Julia Pena's Pena's probably next in line. But you actually look at what she's accomplished and who she's fought and where she's coming off. You know, she's coming off a loss of from Amanda, which was a long time ago. And it's like, you know, you look at the depth of that division, and there's not a lot of depth, especially not a lot of new blood. So Harris going into 135 kind of brings some excitement there. You know, we have, you know, not just a new female fighter in the mix, but someone who's you know well established, who has a lot of credibility around her um but again you know it, it's really going to depend on how this first fight goes you know first and foremost the fight on the scale is going to be the biggest determining factor right and she even make 135 and if she can make it you know how does she look at 35 you know she's so depleted she can't rehydrate in time does she look like a you know a shadow of her former self at 35 does holly Holm demolish her and kind of ruin this before it all happens you know i, I tend to think if she can make 35 she'll probably be able to beat Holly, but we just don't know where she's going to be at, you know, physically um, and mentally, you know, going into that fight. So she really has to push herself to make 35. And and, and I think that is da what Dana said was they did a, you know, a, a trial run to see if she could make the weight. And she did. Yeah, Ariel so said that didn't happen. Assume... Okay. So maybe they didn't. <laughs> he says, I wouldn't believe that that, that necessarily happened is the way he put well, it. That's what, that's what they're saying. And if I was Dana or the UFC, I would hope that would be the case. Because I wouldn't want to sign this person and think they're going to be a 135er when it seems highly unlikely they're going to be able to make the weight. And if they are just kind of hoping like, well, she'll come in close and Holly will just take the fight. You know, like we learned today, Holly was on Ariel's show. She said she wouldn't take the fight that, you know, making the weight is part of the sport, which it absolutely is. It's part of being professional is to make that weight. Um, that's what you sign the contract for. If she can't make it, they're not going to fight. So then what's the point of any of this besides potentially just Dana using this signing to kind of bolster 
UFC 300, which has been the kind of like, again, we talk about it every week, like this card is not bad. It's just very, it says a lot how they still don't have a main event, even now. Like he has gone out and said like, oh, I got more fights to announce, more fights to announce. And they still have not booked that main event because it's what we talk about every week. They don't have a plan for the main event. They have a lot of ideas, but they can't book you know, any You know what's sad? The division's never right. been this. This sport's never had this much talent either. Like the pay-per-view before it, it's, fuck it. You couldn't main event with that. No problem. Sean Strickland, Cheeto Vera, fine. No, sorry. Sean uh, O'Malley, Cheeto Vera, main event with that. Cool. Why not? Connor and Chandler, fuck it. Main event with that. Cool. Why not? Uh, main event with Alex uh, Volkanovsky versus Ilya Tapuria. Cool. Why not? Main event with Vulcan, with uh, Charles Oliveira, if they did Charles Oliveira on Islam, if Islam could fight. Do that. They have all this talent. They have plenty of people. They I just don't, disagree. I, mean, they're, I don't think they could do anything from 170 and lower, be the main event. I think you could do Sean O'Malley. Be, I don't think it would be 300 worthy for a lot what of What does that mean? That's the thing. They, they did this to themselves, man. They did it to themselves yeah. with this bullshit about 300. Like, Mike, do you give a fuck? Are they going to charge more money for this pay-per-view? Is that what it is? Is that why I'm supposed to care what's on I this would one? Say, I, look, I would say it's not that the UFC did it to themselves. This is what we do as humans, all right? It's a big seminal number, all right? Everyone does this, all right? When you turn 21, it's supposed to be a big birthday. When you turn 30, it's supposed to be a big birthday, 40 and so on. Um, it's 300, it's the culmination of 300 at least numbered events. Um, not just the UFC. I mean, maybe perhaps not yourself, but I think a lot of people would normally assume that when you get some nice big round number like that, that it might be a little bigger than some of the other events. So, no, I, I don't think this is something that the UFC did to themselves. I think this is just something that naturally we would expect. I mean, even this, if it shouldn't be the case. This guy literally said, you guys can't even wrap your hand about how great the UFC 300 main event's going to be. He said that three days ago. Right. Look, this whole I'm, I'm excited for UFC 300, honestly, because every, every fight, including this one that they just announced, anybody who thinks like, oh, how are you going to put Holly? Holly Holm doesn't deserve to be on UFC 300. Fucking stupid. If those words come out of your mouth. Let me be very clear about that. Okay? You're fucking stupid if those words come out of your mouth. Go read. A little bit, all right? Every fight on this card so far, unless they added something else that I missed, it's pretty goddamn legit. There's something like, of these fighters, they've main evented like 50 pay-per-views or something between the people on, like, it's like Sadiq Yusef Diego Lopez, least star power in that one, probably. That or the Andrade, Jessica Andrade's Mariana Rodriguez one, but I'm really excited for Diego Lopez. Diego Lopez is a really exciting fighter, Mark. I'm excited for his next fight. Yeah. Sadiq Youssef puts motherfuckers down. Like Jessica Andrade, Marina Rodriguez are good fighters. These are all good fights. Figueroa and Cody Garbrandt can main event a fight night right now. Like Oliveira and Sarukian's great. Yuri uh, and Alex. I mean, they don't have the cherry on top because UFC 200 was supposed to was what John versus John Jones versus Daniel Cormier before John pissed hot, right? <laughs> and yep. then uh, they shoehorned in Anderson Silva against Daniel Cormier, right? That you got that in there still. This is pretty good, man. This is pretty good. Granted, uh, I don't know why they didn't just put Conor McGregor on this. And they haven't officially said he's not, to be honest. Um, should be Conor McGregor and Michael Chandler. The fact that Conor McGregor is not main eventing is kind of weird, if I'm being honest. Then again, they couldn't get Conor McGregor, McGregor to do UFC 200 last time. They fucked that up themselves. So 
I don't know. I think like I think it's I'm excited for it. It's a good card, Mark. I just don't know if like if they want a main event at this point, you got who you have who you have in the company and you don't plan ahead. And if you main event with the be with the two Chinese women, Bay Whaley and Yan, okay. If you call up Leon and uh Bilal, okay. But I think that is very much robbing Peter to pay Paul on that one, because they do clearly want to go to England in a couple months after that. And they have a thirty thousand seat arena. They probably want Leon to main event that in. But like, I don't know, we got two Chinese fighters. We spent the last decade trying to build up China and we're not sending the two Chinese fighters to fight in China. So they don't they don't plan ahead at all. And here we are, right? You said it yourself. Well, yeah. I mean, that's and, and but that's the thing though, right? Is like I, I understand like, oh, you could say like, oh, well, it's three hundred. It's just a number, right? It's mm. just like any other number. Like, why does this one have to be special, right? And to Mike's point, you know, it's just like it is just human nature. It is a tentpole event because it's a bicentennial type of thing. It doesn't have we don't hit hundreds very often, right? So it should be a big event. And you're a fight promoter. This is what you do. This is your whole game. Is you basically cornered the market. You illegally over laws. Yeah. Yes, to, <laughs> to make sure that you can have all the talent. I don't think it's unrealistic when you have that that you should be able to say, hey. We're going to put on the biggest fucking event ever and then pull it off, right? And they knew 300 was coming. They could have planned this shit out better, and they didn't, right? They kind of – because they have to spread themselves so thin. There's so many fight cards. There's so many pay-per-views. And again, like we talked about it, and we'll talk about it coming up, like 299 I think is like a fantastic – like that seems like 300. Switch, switch, switch those cards around because there's every fight on 299. I'm like that's – Mm -hmm. Every fight on 299 is a fucking banger. And the one that I didn't care about was the one that uh, Mr. Campshaw was like, that's the fight I'm most excited about, right? Yeah. So it's like every fight on that I'm there for the fantastic. prelims. We talked about it, bro. I was like, I'm here for Peter Yan and Song Yidong. That's what I'm here for. It's like yeah. a prelim. I mean, top to bottom, it's a fantastic card. And, and again, 300 is also a very, very good card. Like, yeah. I think it is. It is. They're trying to do their best to hit 300. I think it just says a lot that like week after week, Dana's keep he keeps kind of moving the deal like I got more fights to announce. It's never the main event because they've been straggling to get that thing figured. He out. also like and, you can see him like changing based on how whatever they're planning is going. He's like I never right. said it was going to be like that. Then does this week? He's like you motherfuckers can't even you don't even can't even wrap your mind. It will blow your simple mind how great this yeah. fucking main event's going to be. And unless I mean, they're going honestly, to give you like unless they're going to get a time machine and we're going to bring back Ken Shamrock from 1990 fucking six and we're going to have him face. 2008 goddamn john jones i don't know what the fuck we're gonna do like what are we talking about well <laughs> if you think about it um some of the horrible news with vince mcmahon that's happened uh considering that brock seems to be not in the wwe's picture anymore for the at least the next few months i mean Dana White, Dana, White, Dana White said it's not brock brock's 45 years old is what he said yeah, Mark Coleman fought at UFC 100 at 45. What the hell does that mean? I mean, Stipe is 43, 42, and we're holding up a whole division for John Jones to fight his old ass. But I, I think end of the day, we need to have – there needs to be three titles, and I think we'll probably get three titles maybe, but it is going to be one of these titles as a fake one they made up, the BMF title. And this should easily have been – they should have planned this out a long time ago – they should have figured out what's going on with heavyweight. They should be for the heavyweight title. That's the biggest fight they could ever make is their heavyweight title fight. I mean, if they were really smart, they would have kept Francis around and we'd have, you know, something really to, you know, be excited about. But you, they should at you, least. Do you know what's wild, Mark? These people have somehow convinced us all, right? That that only they have figured out how to promote MMA. Okay? That's it. 
And it's just because of they're good at it. It's not because of the way they've structured contracts such in this in this market. Like, no, just four guys in Vegas, huh? Hunter Campbell, Dana White, Mick Maynard, Sean Shelby. That's it. That's who's figured out MMA. Like, let's not forget that these people could not produce George St. Pierre versus Anderson Silva. Could not produce Anderson Silva versus John Jones. Could not produce John Jones versus Francis Ngannou. Okay. They, do you know what held up all these fights, guys? Yeah, money. Mm. All someone in those equations wanted a lot of money. They couldn't give. A, a they couldn't produce being... T.J. Dillashaw versus Demetrius Johnson because Demetrius Johnson had the audacity to want seven figures to lead to prove that he is a, a man who was your greatest champion ever on paper. Had the audacity to ask for seven figures while you're printing money, the most profitable fight organization in human history. Right, that's yeah. them. But but to be fair, like. In that case, I would say the numbers didn't match up for them because I don't think DJ was bringing in those hey, numbers. Man, if, they're, if, they're making, or not, if they are selling, if they're making $30 million a pay-per-view or whatever they're making, DJ can get $1 million out of that. Right? Yeah. But I mean, that's the thing. It's like any of these guys, and when I was saying like, oh, you know, there's someone in those equations that wanted a lot of money. It's really like their fair stake of the money con- considering how much they bring in and considering what we've seen in other Familiar sports I mean, like boxing, right? Canelo's going to sell eight hundred thousand pay per views and make fifty million dollars. Like, what are we talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, exactly. what, do, the company does not need to take eighty five. But what do we have to live in a world where you make eighty five percent? Whatever. Um, back to how horrible everybody is in this sport. Um, this is where we ended up anyway. Holly Holm, people shed on said Holly Holm isn't UFC three hundred worthy. Again, if you think that much that way, you're an idiot. Let me just say that right now. All right, you're an idiot. Simple as that. Um. This week, these same idiots, um, John Anik might be sick of calling fights because he had the audacity to just like say like, hey, man, I thought Drickus won, which most of us did. Um, and this guy's weird fan base, which I'm starting to agree with Luke Thomas, Mark, that I don't think these people like MMA as much as they, because they were trying to also trying to convince people that this was some sort of instant classic, this fight. It was fine. Mm-hmm. It, no one's going to remember this fight. It's already already forgotten most of it. Um, these people just like this is where they ended up because this became the sport for them where they had a bunch of fucking weirdos who exposed their. No one's asking you to be a person and be a reasonable adult. You get to just follow these morons that say the dumbest shit possible, like Sean Strickland. So here we are. Um, don't bother, don't please don't bully John Anik out of this sport. He's the only one on the pay per view broadcast that don't make me want to jump off a bridge at this point, Mark. And all he's doing is telling me facts. He's that's all he's doing. Tell me what is like the bare bones of what's happening in reading the ads. That's what he's there for, bro. (laughs) He had to tell Dominic Cruz a cut in the first round doesn't impact judging in the fifth round. That was a he had to get that man back on the straight and narrow. Like, let's not bully John Anik out of the sport, huh? What do you guys think, huh? Maybe we keep him around because if not, it's gonna be DC calling fights by himself. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was it was sad to hear his frustration with the fan base because he basically said that you know he does try to be that bridge. For you know the commentary team and the fan base because the, the the other guys in the booth are a little bit too popular to really be able to engage with the fan base like you know like he likes to basically he says that you know he tries to respond to a lot of people on X Twitter or Instagram or wherever his his socials are um, and he likes to engage with the fans because uh, he knows that like DC and especially Joe Rogan don't have the wherewithal to be that kind of available for the fan base to just communicate in their dms or whatever so anik tries to 
you know, from what he says, and I don't know because I don't try talking to him on, like, on on Twitter or whatever or see how much he engages with fans, but that's what he said. And, he, you know, he basically said that he got a lot of gruff for his opinions on the fight. Um, and that is, it is kind of silly in that he just doesn't have the – it seemed like he was just kind of, you know, especially this was during his podcast with Kenny Florian. He apologized, he bro. He apologized for saying, for saying they're calling them the lowest common denominator. They are the lowest common denominator, Mike. These people – Mark, Mark, what was the uh, screen grab say of Luke Thomas's last live chat? Do, uh, new MMA fans suck? Question mark. Yes, they do. Yes, they do, Mike. These people suck. Let's just not lie. The, the majority of them suck. I mean, what do you think? I mean, this? a lot of old MMA fans suck as well. I know, but shit, man. I think they're all leaving. <laughs> like, I, I mean, what do you think, man, of this whole of this bullshit? I. I get why John Anik um, apologized, not that he had to, and just that he is a commentator for the UFC, um, probably professionally not best to be saying what he said. Um, I think that's the main reason why uh, I think a lot of us, I think company included here, we tried not to follow what the fans say or engage in anything besides the fights because this has become a very toxic environment um being a fan in mma um yeah and it's not that surprising um which i guess kind of sucks as well that you do have to contend with a lot of idiots and i don't want to call them reprehensible but they have some shitty beliefs i mean i think, we've, fair we've, I think we've already done that who, I think you know a fair amount of the people who follow this sport just don't seem to have any conscience. Go touch some grass, people. Go touch some grass. Um, what does that mean? Go outside. I've never heard that before. Go go the world. Go to the real world a little bit, man. Go walk around a little. Oh, bit. Go touch some grass. I, I you never heard you're trying to say like I thought you're trying to say go bend over or something like bend over and touch some grass. And, no, like, have something to put in your butt or something. I mean, you the Vince McMahon <laughs> stuff's really got to you this week, huh? Uh, by the way, if you want to ruin your day, you all know the story. If you really want to ruin your day, go ahead and read that fucking full complaint, man, about this monster. Just read it. Just read it. Um, and I'm going to again recommend the podcast Behind the Bastards. Um, I was recommending it to Mike earlier today. I really enjoyed that one. Mark, I've told, I told you about this podcast before, have I? I don't think so. They do long form, like multi-episode podcasts against horrible about horrible people in history mm. but it's like normally the host has got like a comedian making jokes here or there along the way so they try to keep it try to keep the horribleness as lighthearted as possible like i was listening to the kissinger series about henry kissinger really entertaining the vince one learned a lot some of it i knew uh learned a lot about that crazy person um yeah sean strickland lost that fight man the three judges said so most people thought he did and he'll win one fight again on their title shot who cares Maybe try harder. Maybe not have so much energy in the fifth round. Maybe don't give away rounds two through four, bro. What do you want me to do for you? To be fair, two judges said he lost. Okay. I thought Just he lost too. Yeah. <laughs> two judges thought he lost. Most people thought he lost too. Just because yeah. a bunch of 14-year-olds who started watching two years ago think you won doesn't mean you actually won. I'm sorry. A close fight. It wasn't a robbery. If you had gotten the decision, I would have been, I would not have thought Drickus got robbed. It was a close fight, man. If you don't finish fights and you fight a close fight and you take rounds off, which is what it not only say he took him off, but he took his foot off the gas, foot off the gas. His coaches were telling him, man, 
His coaches were telling him, I don't like that round. I don't like, we need to win this round. Yeah, all accurate. This is where we ended up. And that night, he seemed pretty confident. He seemed to agree with our situation. And then he went online and things totally changed. Well, you saw in the locker room too, right? We saw that, that hidden cam kind of thing where they were basically saying about like the headbutt and the cut. Yeah. And then, you know, it seems like, because it did seem after the fight, like Strickland, he seemed to, to, to have some kind of grace in, in defeat, right? Where he's like, you know, it was a close fight. He didn't come out the best man today, you know, so what? And, and he's been there before. This isn't like the first time he's had a close fight that he lost. The Cannoneer fight was very close. But it did seem like once he got back to the, the locker room and people started saying like, oh, well, the cut messed it up and it was done from a headbutt. And he's like, oh, it was. He's like, I, yeah. he's like, I don't mind losing, but when I lose like this, it's not. It's like, no, you just lost. Like the headbutt, you know, and I, I think the headbutt probably, you know, made the cut worse potentially. But that's just fighting. I mean, dude. I thought he got. I thought they clashed heads, and then he got caught with an elbow. Also, those corner men were there too. Everybody gains more information when you go home. You're not supposed to keep the same random thing you, just because someone tells you something. Like, do you know what happens now? People here don't look for an actual information of what happened. They look for what opinion justifies what they believe. Right. Mm -hmm. So he found the one that protected his ego the most. And by yeah. the way. These people who complain about snowflakes and fuck your feelings are the most sensitive people that's ever existed. John Anik had to apologize to these fucking, you know, dipwads. Are you kidding me? You know, uh, Sean Strickland, could, we learned he couldn't dish it out. He couldn't take it after dishing it out all this time, right? We learned that too. You know, Ian Gary, learned that about Ian Gary too. We learned that about a lot of these people, man. Everybody's all about fuck your feelings and yada, yada, yada. Just turn off your phone. All that most stuff. Most well, bullies, Bobby, can't take it. Yeah, it's clear. If you start bullying them. Um, yeah, and I'm sure Sean Strickland is a popular fighter on him, man. He'll get one win, and then he'll get another title shot. So get to the gym, buddy. You're there every day anyway, right? Get in the gym. Focus on that. And rally your fucking garbage fan base. Um, I mean, we'll get to it when we get to UFC 300. I threw this out there to Mark a few weeks ago, and I said, we're going to have a discussion when we get to UFC 300 about what's changed in the last 100 UFC events. And I contend, Mike, that everything has gotten worse except for the talent. Hmm. Honestly believe that. Every single thing. You're trying to think of something that's gotten better. Doesn't exist. This also coincides with them selling the company right on UFC 205. Just putting that out there. Damn, has it really almost been 100 events? Uh, wow. Right. I think the Connor in New York was the last event that the U before they sold the company. So anyway, um, let's pick some fights and then we got a top five, a fun top five list and then we're going to do stuff we like and let's keep this train rolling, baby. Um, UFC is at the apex this weekend. As we mentioned, the guy in the co-main event doesn't think we should care. But quite frankly, I think there's two, some, there's two, some, two, uh, two good fights here, guys. Um, or at least two relevant fights. Let's go with that. Um, the man himself, the legend himself, Moicano wants money. Henato Moicano. Um, has this man fought since? No, he hasn't, Mike. Has not fought since Moicano wants money. Man's went out there, became a star in the UFC, put him on ice for fucking 15 months. Um, taking on the hand, the man with the, possibly the most handsome man in MMA, the man with the best jawline in MMA, Drew Dober. Um, we're going to go out there and throw hands here for 15 minutes. Uh, Drew Dober is coming off of uh, his last performance was in 2023, October, against Ricky Glenn, where he bounced back from that Matt Frivola fight. Overall, he's won four of five. 
Um, all four of those with knockout. Um, Adato Moicano, again, on a one-fight win streak. He's won three of four. All three of those wins by rear naked choke. So if you can bet on Dober by KO or Moicano by submission, the double bet it's looking good. Um, betting odds for this one, um, I've now lost them, but see if I have them back up. I believe it's a close one. Um, Mike, do you have it? I do. Okay. Um, I forget. We are a bet MGM podcast. We right? are. Yes, we are. So, uh, Moicano is a minus 140 favorite. So Drew Dober's plus 115 underdog. Well, let me tell you, Mike, not only does Moicano want money, I want money. And I threw uh, a, a fiver or a tenner on Moicano last weekend because I forgot that the card wasn't last weekend. So I'm going to roll with my boy, man, Hanato Moicano, coming in minus 140. Um, I think this is a tough fight. I think the betting odds here are pretty accurate, Marcus. Um, I'll go to you next. That's why I say your name. Uh, Drew Dober has got... 12 losses four of them are by submission um and all four of those are chokes granted they're all different chokes it seems like here but i think moicano is a good enough stand-up fighter not to get put away here and uh i think he's i think he might choke this man that's what i'm going with here i got moicano by sub if we're not i don't you know get don't get specific but i got moicano mark what do you got uh yeah i'm leaning with uh moicano as well um i, I do think drew potentially could have a little bit of an upset here, mostly because when you do look at the guys that have subbed him before, they tend to have really strong wrestling bases. And I just don't really recall how good Morcano is at getting it to the ground. Um, because Drew's in my a big, memory, he's guy. pretty decent for what it's worth, but I'm not, I'm not yes. as confident about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, Drew is a very kind of stout, strong guy. So I don't think he's always the easiest dude to take down, but he does like to throw hands, right? And when you do exchange in the pocket like he likes to, it does expose yourself to potentially, you know, getting taken down. So I and I do like that aspect of it, but you know, Drew Dober is never someone that you want to sleep on. I think it's why the line is as close as it is. This guy truly has awesome power for 155, and you can just see it in all the fights that he's finished and all the guys that he's finished. You know, if you get into a slugfest with this guy, you know, you're really rolling the dice that you know that. You might get knocked out here. I don't think Mercano is going to do that. I think he's going to be very selective in when he chooses to engage in the striking. And when it does, I have to imagine that he only wants to do so to throw Drew Dober into the guys that he's willing to exchange in the pocket to then shoot a takedown or get into a clinch and take it to the ground. You know, everything has to be a revolve around him getting to clinches or to the ground. That's really where he's going to have, you know, the upper hand. But, you know, He's just a tough guy, right? Yeah, zero he's, knockout he's wins, by the way, from Moicano in his whole career. Zero knockout wins. Yeah, I don't think he's hurting him on the feet. Um, it's all going to be setups to potentially get to the ground, or even in the clinch, right? I think even in the clinch, he potentially could try to be crafty there, pull guard, or do something of that extent, maybe try to get a guillotine or something like that. But um, I think it's going to be a good one. But yeah, I got Moicano as well. Um, Mike, what do you got, brother? We're sweeping it, buddy. That's right. McConnell wants money, indeed. Hopefully, he gets a performance. I, let me tell you, man, he could get the only not finish on his whole card. They're not going to give him that money after his week of shitting on the Apex. Um, again, McConnell, two hundred bucks. You let me in the Apex, okay? Let's find it. Give me a folding chair to sit in the back. I won't bother anybody. Um, all right, we got the main event now. Um, Nasruddin Imovov. Um, I like saying his name a lot. I'm gonna be honest. 
It's part of my enjoyment, really, with this man is saying his name. Nasr Adin Imavov, a French mixed martial artist, um, the sniper. Um, well, why are we saying he's French? He's French, but born in Russia, Dagestan. Um, but he trains with uh, Fernand Lopez, which is Cyril Gon's trainer. 12 wins, 4 losses, coming into this one off of a no contest with Chris Curtis where they clashed heads. Before that, um, Sean Strickland beat him on about 25 minutes of notice at light heavyweight, uh, if you guys remember that fight. Taking on uh, Roman Delice, um man coming into this one, um, after breaking his four-fight win streak where he lost to Marvin Vittori. I remember thinking he kind of won that one, to be honest. It was a close fight um, back at UFC 286 last March. Has not fought in about a year. Um, lost that fight 29 28, 29 28, 30 27. Um, also, uh, yeah, betting odds for this one, Mike. The odds for this one, uh, Nasrin Imovov is a minus 160 favorite to Roman Delice's plus 130. Mike, what do you got? Uh, I believe um, your boy Inferno has Roman Delice in this fight. Is that what I remember you telling me? Yes. I am going to ride uh, Inferno uh, this fight, so I'm going to go Delice. I already bet on Delice last weekend. <laughs> So I'm gonna ride with that. I like Roman Delice. I really thought he. I thought he kind of got a little bit of a raw deal with that Vittori fight. It was a close fight. I was. Just, I mostly was just sick of Vittori at the top of the these rankings. I want some new blood in here, and I think we could really use it if Roman Delice. I'm both. Either one of these guys wins, Mark. I think it'd be really. You know, we get a we get some fresh blood up there a little bit um, because we're coming in in this matchup with number uh, eight taking on a number eleven. So maybe somebody gets up there. A little bit higher up. I'm gonna take. I'm gonna take uh, Delice though. Mark, what do you got? Yeah, I was going with Delice too. I don't have much of a horse in this race. I think this is a bullshit main event. I could really give two shits about either of these guys, to be completely honest. And this is their chance to really make me eat my words. But like, I don't remember watching these guys fight. See, or enjoying. They're not making you eat your words because it can't be done because they did not promote these fighters well enough to main event a main event. And I totally agree with you. It's not about how good they are. It's not whether they sell well, a fucking. The eating my show. words is if I see if I watch this fight and it's entertaining or I see something fun in this fight or it's worth our while or one of these guys you know does turn out to be you know something in the division. Um, but it's like it's as of right now, these are just two guys that you know they both had a couple fights with guys that I've seen you know Chris Curtis and uh, Marvin, but like I couldn't pick these guys out of a lineup. So I'm really just looking at the records and being like I like what Roman's done. You know, a loss to Marvin isn't too bad. A head clash against Curtis is, you know, is what it is. You know, him losing to Strickland at 205 is kind of a weird short notice thing anyway. So it's just like I don't – it's really hard to just just looking at it on paper to ascertain really who I like more in this or who's going to, you know, potentially have, you know, longevity in this division. But so I'm just pulling the name out of the hat, and I like the guy that's only lost two fights. And you tell me that, you know, his fight with Marvin was close too. All right. Sounds good to me. So there you go. I think they should promote Delice's personal life a bit more. I think that would make him a bigger star. And I don't want to get into that right now. But if you want some fun, go ahead and Google around what's going on with Roman Delice's personal life. Um, all right. The rest of this card. Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not good. 
uh, where we'd be picking it if it was good. Um, the only thing, other thing interesting that's of any interest at all to me is the fact that somehow Molly McCann's been relegated to the prelims of this shit. I don't know if, do you think the Barstool guys are going to be there, Mike? Maybe they will. I mean, free, um, a trip to Vegas. I mean, they might be there anyway for the Super Bowl the next week. They're staying an entire week, maybe. Um, yeah. Um, Muslim Salikov is an interesting fighter. But he's also 40 years old, so what are you going to do? This card's not good. Um, it's the week before the Super Bowl. There's nothing on TV. Mark, I think it'd be a good time for a pay-per-view. I'm no expert. But there's nothing on TV at all. At all. At all. Would be a good time yeah, for a pay-per-view. I, mean, I don't know. They can just... They they have this schedule, right? They just got to... Do, do you not think it's wild off too. that they don't have a pay-per-view in Vegas while the fucking Super Bowl is in Vegas? Does anybody else think it's fucking strange? Like, am I missing something here? Well, what are we doing? There's so many people there know. who could be going. They could show so many random and uh, celebrities that are at the fucking fights the night before the well, Super Bowl. Well, that, right? that's not this week. That's next weekend. I know right? they're not doing next week. They're in the Apex. Why? Right, so they're still in Vegas. But no, why? What? Why not just push uh, two? Is is two ninety eight in Vegas, or is they on nope. the road for that one? They're in. Uh, I forgot where. Okay. What number is it? Two ninety eight. Yeah, it's Vulcan. I want to say Los Iliad Angeles. And yeah, Anaheim. Okay, it's like that's not even that far. I don't even know what the <laughs> fuck we're. I don't understand anymore what we're doing. But whatever. I don't know. They're the experts. Four guys in Vegas. A fact have mastered fight promotion. Um, yeah, the rest of this card's bad. Um, be a good time for PFL to put a card on, but I think we're still a couple weeks away from the PFL show, right? Was the yeah, paper? I think that's uh, late. Oh so, yeah. Is that in February? It's like late. Yeah, there we go. It's January, February twenty something. February twenty fourth. Yeah, there you go. I will be watching. I'm excited for that one. Actually, the winner of the main event, yeah. they both expect to fight Francis. Which, if it's Ryan Bader, I would. I like Ryan Bader, but that's a the other guy's. I mean, Francis is way bigger than Ryan Bader. <coughs> anyway, um, let's have some fun, man. Um, so we're gonna put a pin in the MMA portion. Though there might be some MMA talk in this next thing. Our top five list this week. The top five events. Uh, that you have attended. And um, event is meant in a very broad sense. Uh, a ticket-going experience might be a good descri description too, right, guys? Anything you bought a ticket for and showed up, be it comedy, be it, uh, you know, be it MMA, be it boxing, be it soccer, football, whatever you went to. Um, whatever did it for you. Um, hell, if you, went to, if you went to the movies one time and it was really cool, put it in there. Like when we Lame. saw, the, we went to the Simpsons movie, and then we stayed to the credits to see uh, Kid Presentable's brother's name in the credits and cheered. And then other people, people actually were wondering, is there a post-credit scene? We said no. We're just waiting for his brother to be there. Is is to show up on the screen? That was it. Um, all right, I'm gonna go last because I said this, and you guys came up very quickly. Came up with the list. Um, I'm gonna go with uh, our reigning champion because why not? Okay. So uh, we'll just uh, run through each of ours. No, let's go. We'll, we'll, we'll round robin. Go oh, not round robin. S snake. We'll go back and forth. We'll rotate. One at a right. time. Yeah, one at a time. Uh, <laughs> also, just uh, and, and your none reasoning. of these are ranked. No, none of these are ranked. Yeah, of course. Um, so I'm not starting with like number five. Mm. Uh, so the first one I will mention happened last year. Um, well, I guess now two years ago so october of 2022 um 
I haven't gone to many playoff games of any type in my life, mainly because I really didn't go to too many sporting events as a kid or teenager. Um, I would go to like maybe one Yankee or Mets game starting at age 14. Um, so really didn't go to too many sporting events. Um, but last year I was able to go to one of the Mets playoff games. Um, also the Mets don't often make it to the playoffs. There's also that little bugaboo. Um, but even so one, that was my first playoff game I ever went to, um, for my, uh, hometown team, the Mets. And I was able to see a win. Um, it was a great atmosphere. Um, I'd never been to a playoff game, so it was great to see and see the energy. And I thought, yeah, we're going to come back and we're going to win game three and we're going to move on to the NLDS. Well, I'm happy I got that one bit of uh, happiness because then we promptly lost the next day. But it was a very enjoyable experience to go to a Mets game. That was for the playoffs. Very cool. I don't think I have a baseball one. I was thinking about it. Anyway, Mark, go ahead. Uh, yeah, the first one I'll do is um, actually the first concert I went to, which was, um, you know, kind of like what Mike was saying a little bit. It was, like, it was later in life than, you know, probably a lot of other people. I mean, I guess it wasn't technically the first concert I've ever been to. Um, but it was the first concert of like a band that I was actually like really interested in seeing. And that was, um, I saw a block party in San Francisco, I think in like 06 or 07. This was right around when um, their first album, Silent Alarm, came out. Um, I think we saw them in, I can't remember what, what, what venue it was. It was a small venue in San Francisco. Um, I always liked the band. Um, I haven't really kept up with them or a lot of the bands like, I listened to in college. Um, but it was also one of those things, like not only did they, the live performance was just freaking awesome, but, um, and I'm not much of a music aficionado, but uh, watching them play live, like I realized like, holy shit, this drummer's fucking insane. Like I listened to the album a bunch and I never really picked up on just like, how much that drummer is just like going to fucking town all the time but seeing him live i was like holy shit this guy's rocking the shit out of those fucking drums man um that was really something else so yeah that was my uh the first concert i went to and block party you know was a really fun interesting band at the time um so that was a, a quite an enjoyable experience so, yeah uh yeah. people want to listen people don't or, you know some people may not be familiar with block party the song banquet really hit for them if i remember that was the name of the song was it banquet that's not right. Yeah, they had a couple hits off that one. And that was the big one, right? commercials now every now and then. I think so, like Helicopter. Yeah, was Helicopter really was another good song. Uh, um, those are the two I remember, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that was, I remember. You were a big block party guy. I remember that. Um, all right, I'm going to go and lead off. Um, and mine are not even maybe my top favorite. I mean, I'm calling it top five. I'm probably going to remember something as usual after the show and be like, oh, man, I should have said that. Um, my, all of mine are kind of based on... It's kind of based on because I went with my friends, mostly with these two who are on the podcast. A lot of these guys, ones are with them. Um, and I'm just going to throw a, a, a random wrestling one out there first. And that was when Mike and uh, Mike, myself, um, and our friends Drew and Phil intended Double or Nothing 2021. I forgot the year already, Mike. 21 uh, or 20? 22. 22, I think. I think it was 22. Double or nothing, yeah. 2022. Um, let me making sure right now. Yeah, Hangman and CM Punk. Um, and it was a lot of fun. We had a lot of fun that week in general, those, those few days. 
Uh, we've all been to Vegas enough times, uh, all of us, that like we don't really even go to the strip unless we like are specifically going to something because we're mostly just hunting the fact, hunting food. Vegas has a lot of good food, by the way. Um, and now that I've I have an office in Vegas now, and I've really come to appreciate more of that city, to be honest. <clears throat> so the whole card was actually really good, but the thing that stuck out to me and Mike probably remembers is what was called the Anarchy in the Arena match, and um. I don't know how to describe this besides a 10-man match where everybody was just all over the fucking arena. And the announcer literally grabbed the microphone and he said, ladies and gentlemen, um, shit's about to hit the fan. It's the exact words he said. And it was just chaos. I couldn't keep, we couldn't, like, they, we couldn't sit down and they kept playing, Mark, you'd appreciate this. They kept playing uh, Wild Thing, which is John Moxley's music, through the match <laughs> because it was an homage because New Jack had died not that long before that, I think. But remember, I used to, New Jack used to wrestle, old wrestler named New Jack used to wrestle, and they would have kept playing his music through the match. Mm-hmm. So that they said, hey, let's just keep playing Wild Thing for like the first like 10 or so minutes of the match at least. And then somebody hit one like electrical equipment and the music went out. They tried to do it like that. That was really cool. And it was just a chaotic match. And then at the end, like Eddie Kingston covered it. I know Mike hates Eddie Kingston, but uh, this I'm never going to forget this image, Mike, of Eddie Kingston walking out the back covered in blood, holding a gas can with him like he's going to light someone on fire. And I'm like, oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It was a lot of fun, man. And we all went together and it was a real blast. And then uh, CM Punk's whole relationship with the company ended. But it's fine. Um, before that, really good time. Um, that was my first one. Mike, what do you got? Mm-hmm. Yeah, fuck Eddie Kingston. Um, <laughs> so, considering this is an MMA podcast, I had to put at least one MMA um, event on here. And for me, it was um, my first UFC event. Um, one I went to with uh, Bobby and a few other people, including Mark. That was UFC 126, Anderson Silva versus Vitor Belfort. Um, first time in Las Vegas. And uh, the event was the event was great. Um, I think that may have been the first time I learned that everything is always better when you bet on it. Mm-hmm. Meaning, you know, every fight takes on a whole new significance. I don't think I would remember Jake Ellenberger as fondly as I do if it wasn't for the fact he was able to eke out that victory that kept that parlay going. And and also, you know, John Jones uh, fought Ryan Bader and had a good fight. And, you know, Vitor had his front kick. Yeah, I guess those are good reasons as well. But more importantly, as we've talked about ad nauseum on this podcast before, we won money at that event. So that's always nice. Mike and I hugging each other, jumping up and down because we each won like 300 bucks is a seminal memory for us, quite <laughs> frankly. <laughs> uh, Mark was there too, by the way, Mike. You could have mentioned that. Just saying. Oh, shit. Mark, you were there. My yeah. bad. It was. I think, I think. I think we all won money on that parlay. Today. That was great. We all. We collectively all made to some combination of Anderson Silva, Forrest Griffin, John Jones, and other people. That was also the event where after they said Rashad Evans tore his knee, can you? You're going to fight for the world title in six weeks against Shogun Hua to John Jones. Anyway, uh, Mark, your next one. Uh, yeah, kind of going off the same kind of mindset. Um. The first MA event I went to was the first one we were sanctioned in California, and that was the first Strike Force event in San Jose. Um, that was it was special because it was the first one. You know, they you know 
hard to believe now, especially if you're a newer fan, but like, you know, MMA was outlawed in many states by the athletic commission. And the only way that you could see it in California was to, to watch it on an Indian reservation, which I didn't have the opportunity to. A lot of those fights were down South in like the LA area um, or in central uh, California. So I was having to get out there, but um, you know, once it did get legalized um, and they were putting on this big event in San Jose, I definitely wanted to, to make it out there, you know, and I talked to my dad, he was interested in watching. So yeah, we went out there and we, uh, we saw the first strike first event and, you know, the event itself was fine. Um, it was unfortunate. We ran a little late and we miss um, Nate Diaz's fight, which, um, you know, I knew of Nate, but I'd never seen him fight at that point. So it was a little disappointing to see, to, to miss that. But, you know, and the rest of the card kind of is what it is. You know, Josh Thompson lost to an, an unknown Clay Guida then. And then Frank Shamrock demolished, um, what's, what's the Gracie's name? That uh, Cesar Gracie, who had never had a fight before in his life. He like got That was a quick one. Like, yeah. Um, so I mean, it's not like the event itself was like super, super memorable for the fights that were there, but it was just the first, you know, it was the first sanctioned, uh, you know, MMA fight in California. And it was the, the beginning of Strike Force, which, you know, became, you know, a staple for, you know, the Bay Area and the mixed martial arts community, you know, and we it built a lot of stars. Um, and unfortunately, with its demise, so has a lot of the live events, you know, in this area in general, because the UFC just doesn't come around here much. Um, and, you know, when Strikeforce, you know, stops showing up, you know, we get a Bellator every now and then. A lot of times those were in Fresno and such. But, um, yeah, that was the first one that was kind of like in our backyard. So it was, it was fun to go to. So, yeah, yeah. exists. Scotty Cokes trying to keep it live MMA in the Bay Area for a really long time. I don't know why I thought the other one you went to was the first you were going to say. Oh, you said first event in California. I don't know why I thought it was the Anderson and Nate Marquardt mm -hmm. one you went to with your pops. I don't know why I thought that was this was before that then, right? That one I think I went with an ex. Oh, I thought you went with, with your dad. dad. I don't think so. I think he only went to the Strike Force one. Ah, gotcha. Um, oh fuck, we're doing MMA ones. I'm gonna knock out uh, UFC 100, and I always forget the number. 189, which was. The one and only and definitely last time Mark and I will see Conor McGregor fight live. Um, we paid a good amount of money to sit in one of the last row, the last row on the on the sideline still. The, the side Back you up be against on. the wall. Back up against the wall. <laughs> um, and um, it was a really fun experience leading up to it. Robbie Lawler faced uh, Rory McDonald in the co-main event. It was maybe the best fight I've ever seen, right up there with Dan Henderson versus Shogun Hua. Um, fights also take on a heightened... A good fight takes on a heightened value to you when you're there, too. It's like part of the atmosphere. And I thought that was going to be the peak of the night, but when Conor McGregor won, that arena was... I don't know if they were all Irish, but a lot of those people were from Ireland, and I've never seen so much beer fly in the air when he won that fight. We talked about it that nauseum in the show. This they climbed on the slot machines. Where the fuck is Aldo? Where the fuck is Aldo? There's only one Conor McGregor. It was a fucking blast, man. Um, there's a lot of shit with Conor, you know, and we've gone through a lot as fan base of this sport. His ascent remains one of the coolest things ever, Mark. And the fact that we were able to go to one of the big ones to me is still like, you know, we've got Sinead O'Connor, rest in peace, doing her thing, and the other cat singing for Chad Mendez getting booed. It's wild. It was a really cool event to go to. And our friend Phil was there. Stephon, Kid Presentable was there too. And it was our friend Phil's birthday around that day too, I remember correctly too. So, paid like 300 and some odd bucks to sit in the last row there. Still a lot of fun though. Mike, what's your next one? 
My next one came, um, actually, his 10-year anniversary is coming up in less than a week on February 1st. Uh, February 1st of 2014, um, it, the, uh, our old alma mater, Syracuse University, had just recently moved into the Atlantic Coast Conference. And this was the first basketball season where we weren't in the Big East. And something that was made a big deal about was going to be Syracuse's first game against Duke in what used to be called the Carrier Dome. And our friend Sal and I, we bought um, season tickets for Syracuse basketball just so that we can have a Duke-Syracuse uh, tickets. And we seriously considered... Um, selling our tickets we had a thought in our head all right if this price that we can get for these tickets gets to the point where it's about like 5x our money we're selling these tickets um and quite uh sorry my uh mic started falling on me um and quite frankly i have never been happier that the price only got to 3x and sal decided screw it let me just go up there to watch this game that's not enough money and what we got treated to was one of, I think, the greatest games in Syracuse basketball history. Um, it was a overtime game, back and forth. Syracuse ended up winning 91-89. Uh, at the time, it was a record amount of people at the Carrier Dome for a basketball game at 35,446. And... I am so happy I was able to go to that game and also very happy to be able to experience that with our friend Sal. Real quick, we got some breaking news uh, from seven hours ago, really, but it's breaking news, especially to me and Mike, because like me, Mike's a homeless cat. Okay. We talking about comedy. Not anymore. We're not. Brendan Shaw is retired from comedy, ladies and gentlemen. What you talking about? He's retiring. We're we're out here. We're at Chang's trying to get orders out, Mike. And uh, Brendan Schaub is retiring from comedy. He said, "And doing what? I don't know. <laughs> Who cares?" <laughs> well, I just wanted to say Chang's, and you know, <laughs> Bapa's gone, man. No more, no more for Bapa. Okay. <laughs> I mean, he's probably still doing his podcast. I mean, anyway, Mark, sorry, it's your turn. <laughs> I read that and I was like, oh man, what a day. <laughs> There's a picture yeah, of a cat. There's a picture of cat. Someone photoshopped a cat over Bush Bush's mission accomplished speech. <laughs> 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 All right, Mark, it's your turn. Go ahead, buddy. That's fucked up. Uh, yeah, for this one. <laughs> I don't know about any of that stuff. I saw he's not a very good stand-up. Um, yeah, this next one, uh, not a um, MA event, but something that we did in Vegas. Um, this was the I, I, Bob. This called Life Is Beautiful, like right. Okay, is this is this be completely derailed? Mike can't even fucking mute himself, except Bobby's muted now, so he can't hear what Bobby's saying. But mute, hear life Mike. is beautiful. You're correct. Sorry, Mike's fine. Okay, thank you. <laughs> Mike, hit your mute for the love okay. of God. Go ahead, buddy. Life right, is beautiful. So yeah, um, yeah. Life is beautiful was a. Uh, I think a couple. It was a two or three day music. Uh, festival it was two when we in, went uh, Las Vegas. I think it's three okay, now. So it's two days. Um, yeah, and, and the main reason why i bring it up is um we got to see jurassic five i was a big jurassic five fan when i was in high school 
Um, and you know, by the time I was I was of age to to kind of seek out any of these kind of like live performances, they were long, you know, disbanded or, or just weren't active anymore. Um, so, you know, when I found out that they were going to be touring again and they were coming, they're going to be at this festival and we were interested in going, it just seemed perfect. Um, so I finally got an opportunity to see them live and they were fantastic. You know, it was, it was a band that I've listened to for decades. Um, getting to see them live was a real treat that, you know, probably won't happen again. I don't think those guys are doing anything now. They're, they're kind of, you know, even then when we saw them like, over 10 years ago or whatever um you know it was kind of past their heyday they're not really doing making new music anymore so uh it was a real treat to see them we also saw um Haim, which i had just become a fan of and again that was another thing like watching them perform live um i learned that the bassist makes like the stupidest craziest faces when she's playing the bass and it's come like a big meme and now people have like blown up her face and has it as like one of those big cardboard cutouts when she performs um and we also saw uh, donald glover too and that was really fun. so we, we've seen donald before in the bay um but it was fun seeing him at that festival too so yeah See, life was beautiful so mark knows where i'm going almost yeah i was gonna say the first time we saw donald glover perform um the first time we saw him perform was right when the album camp came out which is um the one with bonfire heartbeat easily at the time at the time was his biggest commercial success since then the man became a goddamn superstar i mean he already was a star but like he became a superstar with this is america of atlanta all that stuff i've seen donald glover perform live i think more than any other musician mark i think you might be with me on that because i've seen you him perform ev almost every time with you that i've gone all but one i think i've seen i think i've seen him like three four times and at least a few of them mm -hmm. with you um i love gambino man and that was so much fun. And my only regret is Danny Brown was the opening act and we did not see Danny Brown or wasn't paying attention. We did see Danny Brown at Life is Beautiful. Yeah, I was going to say, I definitely see Danny Brown at before, Life is Beautiful before, with his DJ fun. who had AIM sounds coming off of his uh, his, key, his, his keyboard. What the fuck was going on there? Shout out Danny Brown. I'm a big Childish Gambino fan. I'm a big Donald Grubler fan, quite frankly, in general. Hashtag Donald for Spider-Man. There's still time. Um but I'm going to probably check out this show of his, which did it drop yet? Or is it about to drop? I think it's this week. I'm going to try. I mean, Mr. And Mrs. Smith, I saw the movie. It was pretty entertaining, honestly, back in the day. I kind of would have been more excited if it was Phoebe. Um, I forgot. Walden. Mrs. Fleabag herself. Yeah, Fleabag lady. Phoebe Waldorf something. Sorry. But I'm sure it'll still be good. Donald's good in everything, quite frankly. And I always mm -hmm. joke that whenever I'm on a plane... If the movie, if the plane movie system has the Martian, I'm gonna watch the Martian, and then two hours into the Martian, Gambino shows up with math to save the day, and I was just go, hey, it's Gambino. So I was like, re-remember, re re he's in this movie randomly, and yeah, his first performance, his album is awesome, man. The album's awesome. The performance was awesome. You know, being in Oakland when he's you know talking about you know loving Asian girls when the crowd is forty percent Asian girls is definitely a sight to behold. Um, that's uh, Mike. Is, Mike has composed himself at this point now because we're gonna have a lot of jokes when this podcast is over anyway. But he's composed himself now. What is your fourth one? And we should pick up the pace, and honestly. Let's just remember something here, Bobby. You knew what you were doing yeah, by sending me that picture. I knew what I was sending. Come on, I was now. well aware. I wasn't expecting you to have said, like I was surprised when I saw that pop up. All right, so you knew what you were doing. There. Uh, anyway, um, my fourth one, I think. I can't remember when exactly it was. I think it may have been the same weekend as UFC 126. I can't remember if Steph was with us um, for that trip as well. But um, 
one of the times Steph went with us to Vegas, um, he had two tickets to see the Jabberwockies perform, and he needed just someone to go with him. Um, no one, no one really wanted to go, and I didn't want him to go by himself. So I told him I I would go with him, and uh, that was a very enjoyable show. Um, I obviously knew about the Jabberwockies from America's Best Dance Crew, um, so it was interesting to see what a full, you know, like hour-long performance would be like. And it was entertaining from from start to finish. And I'm not surprised that over a decade later, I think they're still doing a residency over in Vegas. So that was a very enjoyable experience. And shout out to Kid Presentable for allowing me to experience that. I believe that was not the same trip, but I do remember you doing that and going with him. You guys had a blast. I wonder if it was the cursed trip. Might have been that one. I don't think it was the cursed trip. I don't think it was, but I can't remember. All right. Now, keeping it going here, Marcus, yours. Uh, Yeah, we'll keep this one short. Um, The last uh, fight one I have on here was, I believe it's UFC 139. This was the San Jose card with Henderson and Shogun. Um, and then co-mained with Vanderlei and uh, Kong Lee. Um, and again, just, just I mean, one, I think the card, those two fights in particular were just, you know, have always been, you know, somewhat at the top of my list of just like some of the best UFC fights um, in general, let alone ones that we've attended. Um, another event in our backyard in San Jose, which is always fun and, and very few and far between for the UFC to come out to that arena. Um, they'd only been there a handful of times before. And I think this is one of the only times they did an actual pay-per-view there um yeah and it was just it was also the first time they did a non-title main event for five rounds um and you know it was just it was one of these days where not only did all those fights and that card was just so fun to watch but at the same time you know we were hearing rumblings that you know the fight with uh, eddie alvarez and michael chandler was also a barn burner so you know we were excited to get home and watch that one too because you know we just came off watching you know one of the best fights we've ever seen you know ever you know to hear that there's another rival fight and the kung lee fight was great with vanderlei um it was just a good it was just a great all-around event so yeah another one i was happy to attend to um my next one is the reason i sound like this today uh last night's nfc championship game as a re-record it was last night between the san francisco 49ers and the detroit lions um a couple of things to know um my dad loves the 49ers and when we were kids, we used to joke and say, some people go to church on Sundays. We watch 49er games. And Joe Montana is Jesus of our church. So my dad used to say, love the 49ers. My dad's been a season ticket holder for ballpark 20 years. Uh, so back to the candlestick days and into the Levi's days. What a dump. Um, and we were getting our asses whooped last night bad, first half. I was really getting, it was kind of rough. My lucky hat, which was 12-0. and 0, we were starting to question the, the magic, to be honest. But we turned the hat backwards, and we turned the game around. And what when we scored 24 unanswered points, I believe, in, the th- uh, in this game, Brock Purdy's that dude. My voice is sore. I don't know. I'm not sure I'm that confident about the Super Bowl. But um, you know what, man? That was – I'm never going to forget that one. And, you know, I'm going with my dad, man. It's awesome. And uh, I'm not going to say this. Uh, the, the, it reminded me of, like, when the Niners played the Saints about a – 12 years before, another crazy game I went to with my dad at Candlestick. You know, I like, you know, all these events we're talking about, I think a lot of it is based on who we're going with and such, and it really adds to the experience. So 
Mark mentioned UFC 139. Never forget Mark and Stefan and me yelling at people after the third round of Dan Henderson and Shogun as they were getting up like, there's two more rounds, you know, because only, they'd only just started the five-round non-title one. So a lot of it about who you're with. Mike, your last one. You're muted. You're muted, Mike. For my first two that I mentioned, it had some significance about being a first. The last one I'll mention is a last, not a last for me, um, but a last for Dwayne Wade. I was able to go to the last Brooklyn Nets game of the season a few years ago. And the reason that was significant is that also happened to be Hall of Fame guard Dwayne Wade's last game as well. Um, And, you know, it was fun to see the final game of um, a future Hall of Fame player's uh, career end. Um, It was nice. You know, LeBron was in attendance, Carmelo, Chris Paul. Um, It was a a nice experience to be a part of. Marcus? Yeah, uh, the last one I got, I'm actually glad Bob mentioned at the top of this that it could just be any ticketed event we went to because I wasn't thinking about this and then um, when you said that I was like oh yeah I should definitely talk about that that was definitely something that I was very excited to attend to and probably will never get attend to it again because it doesn't exist anymore but um, it was it was probably like seven years ago maybe um, PlayStation had their own basic event called the PlayStation Experience um, this is kind of like their own like little mini E3 or packs, and you know I never obviously couldn't make it out to E3 because you have to get invited to that or know somebody in the industry to, to go to those. So I was never had that opportunity. Now E3 is is gone. Um, never made it out to packs. Um, it, it packs didn't really appeal to me too much because I always thought it was more of like a penny arcade kind of thing. But like you know when, when they said they were doing the PlayStation Experience, it was going to be in San Francisco. Um, you know, super excited to attend. I've never been to a video game, you know, convention before. Um, and, and kind of the opposite of what you guys said, um, it was one of the only events where I went by myself. I didn't, I, I don't know if I asked anyone else and no one else was interested. I really didn't care. This was, and, and I actually really enjoyed going by myself because I didn't have to worry about having someone there that maybe like wasn't as injured. I could just do whatever I wanted. Right. I was, I was free reign to, to go and look and, and wait in line to play whatever game I wanted to play or just wander around um, at my own leisure. I didn't have to worry about kind of like entertaining somebody else that might not be as interested in this stuff. And while I was there, I got to meet a lot of online personalities. I'm a big fan of um, Maximilian dude. I had been watching for a few years. He hasn't quite gotten as big as he is now. And I was able to meet him. I met a couple of the guys that were at game trailers then that then formed into Easy Allies. Um, and then also it was one of these random times that like I made a random friend. We were both, um, you know, Sony actually had kind of like their own little conference they wanted to do before the event actually started where they were going to show stuff. And it was really exciting to actually show gameplay for Final Fantasy VII Remake, which I was so excited about. But I was sitting next to this random guy and he was reading um, Inhumans on his tablet and I just started talking to him and is like, oh, we had a bunch of stuff in common, you know, lo and behold, who would have thought, you know, going to a video game convention. Um, but that was kind of fun. And, you know, I still talk to him every now and then on, you know, PSN or whatever. Um, but it was just really fun. You know, it was, it was kind of one of these events that I've always wanted to go to. And it was, it was very cool to kind of attend 
by myself and just be like, man, I could just, I could spend all day here. I don't have to worry about, you know, like I said, entertaining anybody. And also at that time too, like vape pens just became like a thing and weed wasn't super legal, but like no one knew what the fuck you were smoking with a vape pen. So it was very freeing to just walk around and smoke my vape pen and be like, Hey, nobody knows I'm smoking weed on the streets of San Francisco. Not like anyone would give a shit. But for me, it was very liberating to be like, Hey, I don't have to like worry and like hide this away. Cause like no one gives a shit. So it was just a really overall fun event. And PlayStation only did it like two more times after that. And they went down to Anaheim and they didn't do it in San Francisco ever again. And now they don't do it at all. And it's just kind of like, oh man, that was really something special. I wish they kept doing because that was a really fun thing to attend to. But man, that's the last one I got. Um, my last one is uh, Hamilton. Saw Hamilton and was in San Francisco too. So it's not like it wasn't the original one. It's, you know, it's chill out here. But uh, I loved it. It was so good, man. Um, I don't know if I don't think Mark, you ever went, right? Did you? But it's on. I think it's on Disney Plus. Worth mm-hmm. your time for sure. Mike, you ever go? I never went. I only watched it on Disney Plus, and then I just listened the shit out of the uh, soundtrack. Um. So I uh, I loved it, man. I it was incredible. I bought. I remember getting in the lottery to get to uh, getting in the line to buy t- virtual line to buy tickets. I was like number 110,000 or some shit. And by time and everybody was just picking up the earlier shows. I remember I picked like towards the end of the run, like a Saturday and I bought six tickets because that was what you could buy. And I didn't know like, I'm like, well, if I, I don't know who's going to go. My folks will go. My brother might go. I don't know. And then my brother wasn't around. So there was six tickets and I sold three of them and they paid for the other three. So that was cool. And I like, got like emotional, man. Like it's like, really well done show and i'm not the biggest musical guy in the world at all it's not that i'm against them it's just not my i don't seek them out normally and um or even plays going to that and such i think i can go and count on one hand the number of plays i went to you know i think i went to see waiting for godot with mark when we were in high school subclass that was really cool too by the way for what it's worth maybe i should go more but i really enjoyed hamilton man and i thought the lazy who played eliza i believe that's who plays his wife right eliza's his wife um yeah uh, that is correct eliza singing about her dead son that song really got to me i got real emotional and then i went outside in san francisco and i was avoiding the crack the, the fucking needles trying to get to the parking lot because this uh you know the orpheum is a little bit is not in the great part of san francisco but yeah that's it that's our five um i'm sure we have a bunch of honorable mentions um for example i'd say people go see the lumineers live they put on a good show just putting that out there if anybody remembers who the lumineers are All right, stuff we like. Um, I'm going to go real quick. Mine's going to be something that I don't know if the other two guys are going to chime in on because they were all part of it. Uh, We did our bi-coastal Royal Rumble watch party. And uh, at times it's hard to communicate with each other over webcam and such, Mike, but it was real cool. You're going to return that webcam, by the way, or not? It was I'm pretty still cool. on the fence about it. was pretty it. cool, it's, bro. It's very cool. I thought about um, getting one, given how cool it was, to be honest. Like, that was pretty sick. My man bought a real expensive webcam just for this. So we got a webcam. Mike had people over at his house. I had people at my house, Mark included, and his wife and his wife was there, and our friend Drew and his fiance and Steph was there. And we all throw 10 bucks each onto, into some numbers. We all had three numbers for each rumble, and it was winner take all. And then uh, my girlfriend won again, like she did last year. And it was a concern she's going to both of them, but no. And then um, I believe uh, Mike's uh, buddies, Jose and Hunter, won the other one. Um, 
So uh, Jacqueline, Mike's a lovely girlfriend, might have been hamstrung by the fact that apparently her best chance of winning had a torn tricep. That bum-ass CM Punk. Yeah, Mike, I, you can't be a professional wrestler it, at age 45, be straight edge. Possible. Is it possible that's why he didn't win? Like, I don't know. Did they call, did they call an audible? Because he's like, oh, my old ass, my triceps, oh. And Triple H was like, get his ass over the fucking ropes. Fuck that guy. That's why I never liked him. I think that's why he didn't win that last part. That's the only part he needed. Um, him and his weird nipples. I uh, just want to say you can be straight edge all you want, but if you want to be a 45-year-old old professional wrestler, you got to get on some trend or some testosterone or some shit, man, because this man's suffering injury after he broke his foot diving into a crowd at AEW. Like, come on now. Uh, <clears throat> that was a lot of fun, though. I hope you guys had fun, too. I know, you know, we all ate a bunch of food, good times. And uh, that was it for me. I like the Rumble, man. The Rumble is... The match itself is kind of ho-hum a lot of times, but if you have numbers, you people to root for, it's kind of fun. And Stefan uh, Stefan got a bunch of bullshit people, which was funny, despite his efforts not to. <laughs> so, you got Pat McAfee was the best part of the men's rubble, straight up. Straight up, best part of the men's rubble was Pat McAfee. <laughs> not sure if he wanted to get in or not. Uh, that's it for me. Uh, Mike, what do you got? Uh, I don't have too much. Um... Shoot, what was the name of the movie I watched the other day that I thought was decent? Um, go to Mark. I got to think about this for a second. Marcus, go ahead, brother. Yeah, I, I just got a handful this week. Nothing too crazy. Um, I did pick up and started Tekken 8. Um, haven't gotten very far, put a lot of time into that. Uh, but I have been enjoying it. I've always enjoyed the Tekken series. I, I would say that Tekken is the, the one fighting game series where I tend to like the vast majority of the roster. I just think most of the... the the fighters that they've created for the, those fighting games are just unique or fun or interesting. There's only a handful that kind of I don't really jive with. Um, there was also a new season of Queer Eye, uh, Queer Eye on Netflix. Always love watching that show ever since they started the Netflix version. Um, the season was no no different. It's a short season, only six episodes, which was kind of nice. We blew through them pretty quick. Uh, and then the last thing I want to mention is there is a PlayStation State of Play on Wednesday. Uh, they announced that they're going to be showing more of Rise of the Ronin and Stellar Blade, which are two PlayStation exclusive games. And I think there's a lot of rumors that they're going to show the Silent Hill 2 remake, maybe some more of the Metal Gear Solid 3 remake as well. Um, maybe some other games too, probably. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if Final Fantasy snuck in there a little bit. Um, that's coming out at the end of the month. So uh, yeah, that's what I got this week. Mike? I can't remember the movie I watched at like 5 a.m. last week because I was still extremely jet lagged. But a show I started watching on Netflix a few days ago um, is the six episode miniseries on Griselda Blanco starring Sofia Vergara. It's definitely (laughs) different from Cocaine Cowboys. I'm just wow, what's so funny, Bobby? Because we watched the documentary Cocaine Cowboys and I had a, in my apartment in Syracuse, and we finished it at 2 a.m. and you had to go home and you were like, yo. <laughs> you know, we weren't sober. Mike's like, yo, I'm not going outside. Griselda Balco gonna come get me. <laughs> we had Mike had nightmares about this old fucking Colombian woman. <laughs> I I still remember specifically uh 
that first semester of law school, we were we we were struggling a little bit, and we always made jokes about, well, if this law school thing don't work out, we could sling rock. And we watched that documentary, Cocaine Cowboys, and we were both like, this law school thing better work out because we can't go sling rock. Griselda might be out there to get us. There's grandmas coming for us. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. But uh, um, I'm about an episode and a half in, and it's definitely different so far from what Cocaine Cowboys was. They're really trying to humanize Griselda Blanco, which I'm still not sure how I feel about that because this chick was killing everybody. So them try to make her a family woman. It's it's a little interesting, and I'm curious to see where else it's going to go. All right. We're going to be back next week. Um, we're going to be talking about this next fight night that's in the Apex, which is marginally better than this expects. And, you know, nobody gives a shit about the Apex, according to Hinata Moicano. Do you guys ever wonder how many of these fight cards we'd actually pay attention to if we weren't doing this podcast? Probably not many. I think we'd. St- I think I would still check and see who won some of these fights. Someone would have to tell me to go watch it, though, I think. But was it for gambling? I think that would be a factor for me, at least, too. If I couldn't gamble on these fights. It's there, too. Come on, Moicano. I, need- I like money, too. Um, all right. I will be back. Oh, sorry. We will be back next week. Uh, we're going to talk about that uh, that Apex card next week. And then uh, the following week, we got Alex Volkanovsky trying to break the 35-year-old curse as he takes on Ilya Tapuria, who has claimed he is featherweight champion for about four months now. So we'll see. Uh, maybe somebody can, quote-unquote, get hurt, and then we can move it to the, be the main event of UFC 300 just by some dumb luck, Mark. Just saying, that solves a lot of problems. Just put it on there. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit at this point? Until next week. I was Dr. Law. That was Lavender Gooms. And that was DJ Mark. Go buy a ticket to something. Take Go with your friends. Or hell, go by yourself. Mark had a blast. Yeah. Those people I told you to touch some grass. After you touch some grass, go to Ticketmaster, buy a ticket, and go to something. Not MMA. Just don't. You need to go see other people. Someone who plays an instrument, maybe. Probably helps your life. A little music. Maybe if they don't look like you and they're from somewhere else, that probably will help you out too. They have a different view in the world. This is his general life advice from a guy who's been hosting a podcast and making no money for about 13 years. Anyway, um, thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Peace out. See ya. Zelda's living son had an issue with uh, Netflix making... Uh, her, their mom, his mom looked ugly. You ever seen a picture of Gazelle Blanco? Come yeah, on now. They let Sofia Vergara play her. I mean, she should be thrilled. I mean, they uglied Sofia Vergara up a little bit, but she still way looks way better than Griselda ever looked. That's for sure. That's right. We're a progressive podcast, folks. Peace. <laughs>